I pray that it makes you makes it upon your prayer list. And that tomorrow morning or whenever you pray, that your Monday you're praying for one of these. Tuesday you're praying for one of these. Wednesday is a funeral. If you cannot make it to the funeral, that you're praying for the Ivy family Wednesday. We pray that this all this week that you take one of these names, you take Mary with you, you take Sarah with you, you take Alvin with you, and just pray with them as the week goes on, as the week progresses, and just keep them in your prayers, keep them before the Lord, and just uh, just be in prayer for these. Well, happy 4th of July. It's a beautiful day. We have a lot to celebrate today. We have our freedom to celebrate. We're so excited. You know, the, the trio was singing that song, and I thought, man, I don't know if they could have picked a more controversial song to sing this morning, you know? I mean, it's just everything in that song the world does not like, but we're so thankful for the United States. We're thankful for where God has placed us and for the peace and the freedom he has given us. And we still have freedom, and we still can exercise that freedom because of where we live at. And so it is a great day. So we hope that you have a great day. We hope that uh, you come back next Sunday with all your fingers intact. Um, you know, we had a great time in our house last night, popping some fireworks with the kids. And it's always fun to see the reaction. Found out my son is quite the sprinter now. And so I didn't know he could sprint so fast, but uh, his sister lit one and went his direction, and that's the fastest I think I've ever seen him move in my life. I'm like, why don't you run that fast on a basketball court? He just he shook his head at me. But uh, we had a great time, so we pray you guys have a great time tonight. That you eat too much ice cream and, and uh, just hang out too long, but have fun, whatever you're doing tonight and celebrating. You know, it, it's, it's so um, amazing to me. I, I shouldn't be amazed after all this time of being in ministry, but how God lines things up. And he lined today up perfectly with the 4th of July because his message today is about freedom. And whole Galatians is about freedom. That's what we've been talking about is freedom. But today we really get to kind of some nuts and bolts of how to live in that freedom. And so, you know, we, our family, we, we like watching those reality transformation shows. I don't know if you guys are fans of those or not, but like um, maybe like The Biggest Loser, Fixer Up, Upper, you know, I don't even know if I'm saying that one right. Fixer Up, Upper, I don't know what it is, but the, the Home Improvement Show. And, you know, my favorite recently is Forge and Fire. I don't know if you guys are fans of that. I love that one. I've almost got my wife talked into letting me buy a Forge. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm getting close. But, uh, but th those shows are so neat, aren't they? Why, why, why do we love those shows? You know, we love those shows because what they do is they take raw, broken materials and they turn them into something beautiful. You know, if you've never seen any of these shows, you know, the Forge and Fire, they, they take the pile of metal, and sometimes it's a car, a broken car, a wrecked car, whatever it is. They say, all right, grab some metal out of that car and make something. I mean, it's just amazing the transformation they do out of, out of nothing, really, essentially trash, and they end up making something very beautiful in that. You know, we love seeing something or, or someone that's been completely discarded by the world and seeing them or seeing it transformed into something mag magnificent, 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 right? I'll get there, just give me enough time, not enough coffee yet. But we, we love it because they reflect something we, we know that's true, or at least something we want to be true, right? That God can take us in our mess, our sin, our suffering, and make us into something outstanding, something beautiful. 
I think that's what's appealing to us about these shows is they take something that's, that's fallen and they can make it produce fruit. That's what God does with you and I. He, he takes something that's it's fallen and now we produce fruit. And we love that ideal, right? If you don't say right, you're lying. So I'll just take that as everybody says right. And so if I asked you this morning, if, if you'd like to be more loving, more kind, more patient, more gentle, I think every one of us would say yes. I mean, who wouldn't want those things in our life? Every one of us, right? I mean, when I die someday, I want people to describe me as, as someone with these qualities in my life. And that's what we're talking about today, because the, the fruits of the Spirit is what identifies you as a follower of Christ. And that's where we're at in chapter 5. We're talking about the, the fruits of the Spirit. And the Bible says, the gospel says, these fruits identify us as followers, right? And so an unfruitful Christian is really a contradiction, because there's no such thing as an unfruitful condition, Christian. And so I want you to just look at some of the gospel's examples of this and, and, and fill in the blank with me, if you would. The first one I'll look at in Matthew 7, 16. Johnny, can you put that one on the screen? Do we have that? You will recognize them by their what? Fruits. Right. The next one is Matthew 21, 43. The kingdom of God will be given to a people producing its fruits. Exactly. John 15, 5. You know this one. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much Fruit. There, you guys are catching on. John 15, 8. One more if you haven't got it by now. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. That's it. The proof that God has entered into our, your life, my life, is going to be there is fruit that is outward seen. That's it. I mean, that's as simple as it gets. The proof that God, that you have a relationship with Jesus this morning, is there's going to be these fruits that's produced. It can't help but happen. It comes naturally, right? And that's what we see in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, fruitfulness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So when we see that, I want to point out a couple of things real quickly. It's very important that we understand the preposition of there. Because this is not fruit that we produce. This is not fruit that you produce. It's fruit that the Spirit produces in us, right? And notice it, it's a singular fruit. This is an exhaustive list. It's a list of types of characteristics that the Spirit produces in you. When you choose to plant the root of your faith in the soil of the gospel. That's what I want you to see this morning. When you purposely choose to plant the root of your faith in the soil of the gospel. Okay, I want you to get that because we're going to hit on that a lot today. When you purposely choose to plant your faith in the soil of the gospel. When it comes to producing fruits of the Spirit, here's the bad news. You can't do it. Hey, you like that? Let's just close there and end. Let's just go, right? You're like, what the world? When it comes to fruits of the Spirit, you can't do it. But the good news is, God can. The good news is, He wants to produce these fruits in your life. So you can't do it, but He can do it. What is it? Not I, but 
Christ, right? Not I, but Christ. We should have that like everywhere in our home. We should have that in our car. We should have that in our workplace. Not I, but Christ. Because all times, I gets in the way. I take over, and Christ takes a back seat. And we've learned through Galatians now, this doesn't work. Same way with the fruits of the Spirit. It's either going to be Christ or it's going to be us. And when it's us, it gets nasty. There's not fruit being produced, right? And so before we go into real depth in this, I want to give you some initial instructions. I I want to lay some groundwork for what I I think Paul is thinking here. Because if I just go through the fruits of the Spirit, defining them, explaining how to be the perfect Christian, how to exhibit all these, all you're going to hear this morning is at the root, you're a really bad, proud, self-sufficient person. But the Bible says you need to be more loving and kind. That's all you hear this morning. And so what you'll try to do is figure out, and what we try to do is figure out how to train ourselves to be more loving, to be more kind, more patient, and so forth. And in doing that, a couple of things are going to happen. Doing that out of pride, which makes you feel more self-sufficient, right? And so then you start checklists. Here's a checklist. Oh, I'm, I'm good at that one. Well, I'm bad at that one. I'm good at that one. I'm okay with this one, right? And instantly it turns into what? It turns into legalism, which is the very thing that Paul's teaching about. Operating this means pride is the best case scenario, right? I did all these really well, and if it's not pride, then it's going to be despair. Why? Because you didn't do none of them well. And that's how we feel, and that's how sometimes new Christians feel when they come into the church. They're doing everything well, and everything's great. They're like, yes. You know, a new Christian gets saved for the first time. It's like cloud nine, right? Sunshine and roses. But then when they fail at something, it's despair. Like, oh. Well, I'm not really that good no more. And so I don't want you to hear, this is just going to be a list of do's. If you do this, you're going to look like the perfect Christian. I don't want you to hear this morning, do better, do better, do better, live better, because that's, that's never the message gospel. The gospel is never try harder and God will be pleased with you. Just tighten your spiritual belt and God will be pleased with you. The gospel is this. The gospel is look to Jesus and his ability. His ability what? His ability to save. His ability to sustain. His ability to sanctify you. And ultimately, his ability to produce fruit in you and through you. That's it. It's what? Not I, but Christ. My goal is not for you to leave here with action steps on how to be a better person, how to cultivate change in your life. What I want for each and every one of you is I want you to leave here with a worshiping heart towards the one who can change your life. Because I think that's key. I think more than a list of if you do this, if you look like this, if you can do that, if you can produce this, more than that is if you have a worshiping heart, right? If you have a worshiping heart towards a Savior, that will change everything. And Paul's desire in Galatians is not that you learn some new manners, It's not that you be a new creation. It's that you be a new creation in Christ. He's not asking you to change yourself. He's asking you to just give yourself to Christ. Let him start the work. Him start the process. And then what happens is when that happens, you plant roots of your faith in the soil of the gospel. 
And when we plant a root of our faith in the soil of the gospel, guess what it's going to start bearing? Fruit. It's a beautiful process, right? Just think of the kind of fruit you want to produce. You know, we went over to Kevin's yesterday. We dropped some stuff by for Kevin. His gardens were beautiful. I mean, he had all these all the raised beds, I and mean, he had lettuce. He had um, the green beans, the green beans that he was even growing. Kittens out of green beans. I mean, he was a... Crazy things happening in his gardens. But he had some beautiful gardens, right? And when you're doing that, it's important to make sure your soil's right. The conditions are right. They're being watered. And we, you all know this. You guys are gardeners. You guys are farmers. You understand this process. And so when I say you plant the root of your faith in the soil of the gospel, and the Spirit begins to bear fruit, and you're, you understand that. And we understand that as Christians, we plant the, the, the root of our faith in this. You can't help but bear fruit. But there's an option to that, and we're going to get to that in a second. But let me give you a little bit more context. In order to get the full picture of what's going on, I'm going to jump all the way back to verse 1 in, in chapter 5. As we go on, I'm going to give you some key words that's important for us today. And, and the first one we're going to see in, in verse 1 in chapter 5. It says, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So Paul's in Galatia, right? And his whole message can be summed up in one word, and that word is freedom this morning. And that's the first key word I want to point out this morning, freedom. And most of us understand we've been saved from something, right? But few understand we've been saved to something. Christ has freed us for freedom. But even Christians, we have a tendency always to run back to that yoke of slavery, don't we? Always submit again to the yoke of slavery. We have that temptation in our lives, every one of us. Christ freed us. But then we put up these rules and regulations in our relationship with Christ for our benefit to make sure we're secure. And in doing so, we run back to that yoke of slavery. Uh, let me show you how that looks this morning. A great example is, you know, Melissa and I, we've been married 24 years. What if Melissa's approval and acceptance of me, what if her love for me was based solely on the things I did for her? So one day she wakes up and she says, well, I, I just don't think you've been loving enough to me. So I'm going to need you to tell me how sorry you are, take me to dinner somewhere nice, and be more kind to me, and then maybe I'll love you back. How do you think that would go? Okay, so maybe then she says, or, or you haven't been very patient with me lately. I think you should buy me flowers and redirect your marriage vows or rededicate your marriage vows to me. Then I'll accept you back. Now, these are not necessarily bad things to do for my wife, are they? But if I'm only doing them because I'm afraid that I won't be accepted or loved by her unless I do, that's slavery. That's not intimacy. Do you get that picture this morning? That's what some of us do with God. We're in this loving, committed relationship with God, and we say, well, okay, I, you know... It, I need to do this and this and then. No, that's slavery. 
Instead, I planted the roots of my heart in a covenant, committed relationship of marriage with Melissa. And the natural fruit of that is a desire to do these types of things because I love her. Not to get her to love me more. Because fear, fear can never produce fruit. When you're constantly trying to please God by your works, that's slavery. When you're constantly trying to produce fruit because you think that's what makes God accept you, that's slavery. If you're only here to learn how to be a better person because God only loves good people, that's slavery. And some of us know what slavery is because we've been there before. You felt trapped. You felt trapped in trying to live better, do better, be better. Some of you felt like maybe God was never pleased with you. And what you need this morning is not more instruction on how to please God. You need more intimacy with God. Because when you have intimacy with God, these things naturally happen, don't they? I love my wife. Naturally, I do things just because for her. Why? Because I love her. Because I have that intimacy with her. So these things just happen. I take coffee to her every once in a while. I buy flowers every once in a while. I buy her shoes every once in a while. Talk about commitment. But these things, they, they just naturally happen. She's not telling me to do these things. She's not, well, you know. I'm not going to love you if you don't do this. I'm not going to love you if you don't get my Starbucks. I'm not going to. No. That's a slavery relationship. This is one because of intimacy. I want to do these things. Freedom comes in knowing that everything necessary for you to be saved, everything necessary for God to be pleased with you has already been done by Jesus. It's already been done. That's what Paul is battling against. A bunch of folks saying, do, do, do. And he actually refers to it in chapter 1 as another gospel. And the entire purpose of the book of Galatians is clearly distinguished between the gospel of Jesus and a false gospel. And so let's actually get to the main meat of the message today. I'm getting there, I promise you. But in Galatians 13 and 14, let me read it to you this morning. For you are called to freedom, brothers... Only do not use your freedom as opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The second key word I want you to see this morning is flesh. The first key word was freedom. The second one I want to point out is flesh. Flesh says nothing but want to please self, right? Flesh says nothing but want to please self. It's cheesy. This is one of those dad jokes. But what's the, what's the middle letter in sin? I, right? I for independence. I for all about my will. I for it's not Christ, but I, right? So John 6, 63 says, The Spirit gives life, and the flesh profits nothing. Martin Luther said it this way. He said, used to say nothing is not a little something. So that, that's the context we're working with here. Paul is saying stop trying to prove yourself to God and to others by doing, doing, doing. That's slavery. Stop operating in the flesh with profits nothing. 
He's saying, remember, remember what? We're in Christ. Remember, we've already been accepted. We've already been loved by God because of Jesus' sacrifice. So with all that understanding, let's take a look at the fruits of the Spirit. Verses 16 and 17. But I say, walk by the Spirit. That's the third key word for us this morning. So freedom was the first key word. Flesh was the second key word. And the Spirit is your third key word this morning. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For desires of flesh are against the Spirit, and desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You ever felt like this? There's like a tug of war in your soul for your desires. You know what to do, but you don't want to do them, so you do them. You just end up, it's just a, it's craziness, right? You know what I'm talking about, these competing desires within us. You want to know God, but sometimes you just don't want to know God. And is 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 the how can I love Jesus, that, you know, and still struggle with whatever, fill in the blank. Well, that's your flesh. That's the flesh talking, your flesh your flesh will always lead you toward legalism or lawness. Remember, legalism, it kind of treats God like a cosmic vending machine. As long as I do exactly right, I get God. It's do, 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 and strength of self. Now, I can't over, overstate this enough. You, you can never obtain salvation through your own efforts. Because your own effort comes from flesh. And our flesh can never please God. You can't do it. You can't get, every seen those, you can't get there from here. That's what this is. You can't get there from here. You can't get to God from what we have. And this is what Paul, it, it sounds like I'm on repeat, but this is what Paul is saying. That you'll never be able to do enough. And just think, just when you think you can You'll meet that Christian on steroids, don't you? You're like, you get up at what time? Is God even up at that time? You know, at this one, you think you're good enough. You meet somebody that's like, yeah, I went to church last night. Well, that was a Monday night. Yeah, it was a revival. Oh, my goodness. You know, I mean, it's, there's somebody like that. This one, you think you're good enough. And so what happens is the world gets this false picture of what it means to be a great Christian. Because they think it's all about rule following and joyless duty. And so what, I, what they'll do is completely give up on legalism and try to satisfy themselves rebellion. You, you get, you, we get that picture, right? Because everybody knows what a Christian is. You follow the Ten Commandments. You go to church. You give. You, and so they get this picture, right? And so when new Christians come into church, they try to live up to this picture. And when they can't live up to this picture, what ensues? Well, frustration, one, because they can't be good enough. Well, then two, they just give up. And so rebellion kicks in. And so they turn to rebellion. Instead of trying to please God by the strength of self, rebellion takes place. And the problem with rebellion, rebellion says, I'll do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want. Does that sound familiar? The world we live in today, it's a beautiful picture of where we live at today. And we see it's just a rebellion taking place. 
You know, I've been down this route. I know many of you have been down this route. How many testify with me that living like this will not satisfy you? It just doesn't deliver. One pastor said it this way. He said, the grand illusion of every act of sin is that we can be disloyal to God and everything will work out in the end. Rebellion always leads to dissatisfaction, destruction, and ultimately damnation. And we know this to be true. Both of these are just forms of fruitless faith. Legalism and rebellion, fruitless faith. Why? Well, legalism can never produce fruit because it tries to earn salvation by holding on to a law it cannot fulfill. Well, then rebellion can never produce fruit because it tries to live by a false freedom that always pulls you back into slavery and it never satisfies you. So when you choose to gratify the desires of the flesh and plant the roots of your heart in the flesh, you end up producing what the, what the scriptures called works of the flesh. So get that picture this morning, right? You plant the roots of your heart in your flesh. You end up producing what the scripture calls works of the flesh. We get that, right? You plant the roots of your heart in the flesh. Well, I can do this. I can be good enough. I can stand on my own two feet. I can handle this. I can make this right. I can be good enough. And we know that produces works of the flesh. And so now we're going to see some of that in verses 19 to 23. Now the works of the flesh are evidence. Now the works of the flesh are evidence. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, uh, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, uh, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now it starts off in verse 19. It says, now the works of the flesh are evident. Though well, they're evident because in most society they're normal. And we see that today. They're normal because they seem to offer some allure of satisfaction to please self. It's instead of, instead of not I but Christ, it's not Christ but I. Right? We see that. And I just want to walk through some of these real quick just to give you really, really just a quick snapshot. So sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, any distortion or perversion of God's desire for sex is what it's talking about here. Any distortion or perversion of God's design for sex is what they're talking about here. And we, we, we understand that more than we ever have today where we live in. Idolatry. A.W. Tozer says this about idolatry. Is worshiping anything other than God. That includes self. You say, well, I don't worship self. Well, how often do you turn to self to handle things instead of turning to God? That's what we're talking about here this morning. Sorcery. Talking about witchcraft, the heart of witchcraft is, is attempting to control God. It's about doing things to get God to respond to us, doing what we desire. And you say, well, Pastor, we don't have to talk about witchcraft here. But it is, it's a thing. When we were in New York, it was a thing. We had kids in our youth groups that he would go home one night. and they got, uh, He was going up the stairwell to his apartment. He had a chicken with his head cut off thrown at him. And it's a source of witchcraft, sorcery deal that they practice in their community. And so it's a, it's a real thing that we have to address. Uh, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, 
rivalries, dissensions, division, envy. All this is talking about bitter conflicts that cause discord. Remember uh, what Galatians 5.14 says? For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. What? You shall love your neighbor as yourself. So, of course, opposite of that would be rebellion. And rebellion means you're going to have the jealousy, fits of anger, anger, rivalries. You're going to have that. Drunkenness, orgies. Drunkenness is tied in here because I, I think it's, it, it's less about sexual immorality and more about attitude of giving myself over to desires trying to satisfy me. All these things, this is where we have desire that ends up in slaves. And all these things, you see that more today than ever, don't we? And it's boiling down what Paul is saying, these are works of the flesh. When we planted the roots of our heart in the flesh, we see these happen. Why? Because they're trying to satisfy something that they don't have. And we know that these things are never going to satisfy them. And what ends up happening is it becomes a cycle of addiction, right? Whereby we can't have enough food, we can't have enough sex, we can't have enough stuff, we can't have enough friends, we can't have enough money, fame, power, pleasure. We can never have enough. Why? Because it's not satisfying. And that's the world. Some of us have been caught in that loop before. We need more, more, more. Nothing satisfies us. Those who do such things, the gospel is saying they're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And we've seen this in our life. What do they inherit? They inherit dissatisfaction. They inherit destruction. And they inherit damnation. We know this to be true. These are works of the flesh. Meaning this is not a list of how, here's how bad people live. No, here's what sin makes all of us do kind of list is what this list is and we're all guilty of this we've all tried planting a roots of our hearts in the soil of our flesh and we've all learned that this leads to dissatisfaction and so what need what we need is another power within us that can win this battle against our flesh and we this morning understand that power is the spirit right and that's where Paul is getting us to you can't you can't do this, but he can. We say that for all the hard-headed ones out there. You can't do this, but he can. It's already been done. When you receive that and plant your root in of faith in the soil of the gospel, then the Spirit always produces what? Freedom and fruit. That's why Paul writes back in verse 18, but if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Why? Because you've been freed. On July 4th this morning, we have freedom in our nation. We have freedom in the gospel. Because why? Because of the work of the cross. Because we're not under the law. Because the Spirit is about internal heart change. The law is what? The law is about external behavioral modification. Where you try to earn God's approval by works. Here it is. Listen to this very carefully. You are saved by works, just not your own, right? You do earn God's approval by someone else's work. It's Christ. It's his finished work on your behalf. Jesus in my place. It's due versus done. Due versus the flesh is due versus done the gospel. 
right? Not I, but Christ. It's do versus done. You do this, you'll get accepted. It's already done. You know, even where we're at today, even the stage of life you're at today, it's still tempting sometimes to try to do. Paul's just reminding us that you can never produce fruit like this. Only one way you're producing fruit like this, and it's if we're founded in the gospel. And Paul's going to help us understand the difference between the works of the flesh and the fruits of the Spirit. 22 and 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against these such things there is no law. He knows. He knows the secret. He knows that the more enthralled with the gospel, the more enthralled with Christ's beauty, then the more you will want to do these things. It's what we've been talking about. It's why grace is so amazing because the more we know about grace, the more we understand this, the more we love Christ, the more we love the gospel, the more we want to do these things that produce a fruit. They come naturally, like that marriage relationship I'm talking about. The more I love Melissa, the more the things I want to do just because. Yeah, I'll drive an hour and a half just to get her coffee, whatever it takes. Why? Because I love her. And that's what Paul is saying here. The more you remember that, the more you know, the more enthralled with the gospel become, the more you want to do these things. He knows the more you remember your freedom in Christ, the more the Spirit begins to produce these fruits in your life. When you find yourself so wrapped in God's, wrapped up in God's love for the gospel, the Spirit begins to naturally produce these things in you. It's easy, it's so easy to get lost or to get focused on the logistics of attempting to produce fruit, that you forget about the one who actually produces it in you. So we end up reading these lists and think about all the ways we don't measure up. Well, I don't have patience, I don't have kindness, I don't do this. We think about all these ways we don't measure up about what we aren't and what you, we can't do. But you can choose to plant the root of your faith in the gospel. You can choose to believe what the Bible says about whose you are, about what he can do, about what he wants to produce in you. So then when the devil comes and tries to get you to operate in the flesh, you can say, no, 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 hang on, that's not me. Because Christ has already done everything on my behalf. I can't do anything. You start reminding yourself of these things. You start reminding yourself that, oh, yeah, I am redeemed. Oh, yeah, I, I, I have been born again. I have been crucified with Christ. So no longer I that lives, but it's Christ in me. You remind yourself that I am a member of the body of Christ. You remind yourself that I am an ambassador. I am his workmanship created in Christ for good works. I have been declared righteous. I am no longer a slave to sin. I am a friend of God. I am now a son and a daughter of God through faith. I once was dead and I am now alive. You start reminding yourself of these things and what he's did for you and what he's seen in you and that makes you want to do more. That wants to make sure you get closer to God and you naturally produce these fruits. So it's not a list of you got to do this, this, this. It's a list of you got to worshiping hearts. You have worshiping heart because you remind yourself of that list I just read, of all that God has done for you. And because of that, because of that right there, 
That's why you want to be more in the gospel. That's why you want to be talking to Jesus. Reminding him how much you love him. How much you know what he's done for you. So today I'm declaring freedom in Christ. Today I'm declaring that the reason I can bear fruit in my walk is because Jesus bore the cross. His spirit is now living in me and I'm planting roots of my faith in the soil of the gospel. And when you look at the list of the fruits of the spirit, you should see that Paul isn't just listing virtues. He's describing a person, isn't he? It's not me. It's not you. It's not some super Christian. He's describing one person here, and it's the guy who saved you. And you can say this morning, I can say that this this morning, I, I, I may not look perfect all the time. Well, that's why I look to Jesus, who is perfect, who sent the Holy Spirit to produce these things in me. Why? Because it's no longer I, no longer I, no longer I, but who? But Christ. Which changes the way we read this, right? 22, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit is. This morning I believe the fruit of the Spirit is what? Is, is believe and become. That's the fruits of the Spirit this morning. Believe and become. Look, for example, at love. The greatest act of love in history of mankind was Jesus sacrificing himself for us. When you believe that, you become loving towards others, don't we? We believe that all that God has done on our behalf makes us a little more tender to our neighbor, to our coworker, doesn't it? Joy. In spite of suffering and circumstances, Jesus counted all joy to go to the cross for us. Peace. Jesus is a prince of peace, a giver of peace. Patience, not, not sure about you on this one. <laughs> But the best proof of the best proof of Jesus' ultimate patience is that he saved me. Come on, somebody. Kindness. He not only healed and loved on people, but went out of his way. Right? Goodness, Jesus is a good shepherd. Faithfulness, Jesus came to earth with a plan, and despite hardship, fulfilled that plan. Gentleness, Matthew eleven, twenty-eight and twenty-nine, come to me all year weary. And burden, I will give you rest, for I am gentle and I am humble. Self-control, at any point in his suffering, Jesus could have said, hey, you know what? He could have called the legion of angels and flipped the script. But instead, he remained steadfast because of his self-control. And Jesus telling us that the one only way to self-control is by letting yourself and allowing the Holy Spirit take control. So you see these fruits of the Spirit, something we produce, but they're also a description of our Lord and our Savior. And so the more we fall in love with Him, the more we look like Him, the more we produce fruit like Him. Why? Because our faith is rooted in the gospel, not in ourselves. Remember when you was a little kid? If you had a great dad, if you had a good relationship with your father, which I did, I want to do everything dad did. A lot of the hobbies I have today is because dad enjoyed those hobbies. I want to be like dad. I love dad. I want to do everything dad did. I want to reflect dad. I want to dress like him. I want to act like him. Because I love my dad. 
That's why I'm not going to give you a list of do's and don'ts. I just want you to tell about Jesus. And the more we love Jesus, you can't help but produce fruit like Jesus would. Because you want to be just like Daddy. So the question this morning is, are you being controlled by the flesh or by the Spirit? It's impossible, to be, it's impossible to be full of spirit if you're full of yourself. Because where the spirit reigns, the law and the flesh no longer have control. Verse 24 says it this way, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its pleasures and desires. If we live by the spirit, which is inward, let us also walk by the spirit, which is outward. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So let me, let me wrap this up, up this morning. We have two options with the flesh. You have two options with the flesh. You can gratify the flesh or you can crucify the flesh. You can gratify the Let me give you a great example of this. I think every one of us need disciplines in our lives. I think disciplines makes us better people. And a friend of mine comes to second service. We're, we had lunch, and he sat down with us, and we were talking about, and I found out he enjoys working out too. And so we started talking about working out. He goes, yeah, it's a long day. There's nothing like hitting the gym and working out. And we start talking. He's like, yeah, he's got this, I mean, amazing gym, home gym. It's actually a a barn built into a gym. I mean, it's amazing. He's got all the, all the goodies that you'd ever want, right? He said, so he has neighbors come use his gym. He don't care. He leaves it open. He, like, the whole, everybody comes around, you know, whatever. He said, I got people all the time say, hey, I want to start working out with you. I want to get in better shape. I want to do this, this, that. He said, all right, come on. Let's do it. He said, they'll come a couple days, maybe in a couple weeks. And he said, then I never see them again. He said, so I want to start taking a picture. The next person comes, I want to take their picture and hang it up on my wall. I want to see how long it lasts. Because what happens is you have, when you're working out, when you're exercising, you want to get better, you can either satisfy your flesh or crucify your flesh. You can satisfy your flesh by sleeping in and not working out. You can satisfy your flesh by eating that donut, Right? Or you can crucify the flesh by getting up early, doing something you don't want to do, saying no to that donut. You see, this is what the gospel is saying. We have this choice before us. Two options with the flesh. We can gratify the flesh, and we see that where, where that gets us. And we know that. You guys are experienced enough to know this. We understand where the flesh leads. We understand. We see that so evident so clearly today. In our society, where flesh gets you. Feels good, do it. If you want to do it, do it. We know that doesn't desire. That doesn't lead to anything. And so crucify, which is not a popular option. It's not popular to say no to things. It's not popular in your soul to say no to that donut, is it? Whatever it is for you, mine's a donut right now. It's not popular, right? 
But verse 25 says, if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Let us keep step with the Spirit. Let's follow the Spirit. Let's be guided by the Spirit. So the obvious question is, is how do we walk by the Spirit? There's no perfect plan for me to give you that tells you how to do this. There's not one, two, and three. Only the Spirit can direct you. I mean, he's a much better teacher than I am. I think the best illustration to help you with this morning is one that we've been experiencing for ourselves here in Brighton is we switched to inner monitors. And I talked about this a little bit, but so we switched to inner monitors. And what happens was to give you a little so our stage was full of boxes like this. Boxes like this gives you feedback. So as Pastor Mark sings, he can hear himself in this speaker. As Olin sings, he can hear Olin. He can hear the keyboard in this speaker. And so what we've done is we've taken all that and we put it in boxes like this. And so these take this place. And so now everybody on the stage has headphones in. And when you have the headphones in, all these instruments, all these voices are coming through your earphones, right? And so for the worship team, the most important person they need to hear is Pastor Mark. You know, they can hear Pastor Mark, they know where they're at, they know what song, they follow Pastor Mark. So it's very important to hear his voice. But let me tell you this, once you get all this in your head, there's a lot going on. I mean, you hear everything so clearly, and you can turn them up, turn them down. So you, you hear the, the ladies, you hear the ladies talking, you hear the, the, the guitars, you hear the piano, you hear Owen, you hear Philip, you hear them all in your head. Now, that's a scary place. And so what they have to do is they have to train themselves to make sure they're listening, they can hear the leader's voice. And they follow the leader, right? So Jesus paid it all. That means he's directing. He's leading us. He's telling us. He's reminding us over and over where to go, what to do, how to do it. He's whispering in our ears. The fruit is something amazing, something incredible. But we have to listen. We have to listen to that voice. When there's all this craziness going on, and if you've ever been to worship practice, there's a lot of craziness going on. You've got to train yourself how to listen for that still, small voice. Because that still, small voice is whispering and implying the gospel to your heart and to your mind and to your soul. That still, small voice knows when to tell you to calm down. That still small voice knows what song you need to be singing, when you need to sing it over your life. And as you listen to his still small voice, your actions, they become this beautiful music, and the world's listening to that. So it's like you've got these inner monitors in. You're listening to the Spirit. It's Pastor Mark. He's got all this noise in his ears. All these people are listening to Pastor Mark. Well, you guys are watching them. That's the world. 
You've got these inner monitors. You're listening to this beautiful music the Holy Spirit is whispering to you. And as you're listening, you're following the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. The world is watching you like a singer on the stage. What will he do? How will he react? How will she give? What will she do in this situation? They're watching you. They're watching you. And as you listen to the Holy Spirit, guess what? Holy Spirit's directing you in a beautiful performance in front of them that will lead them to Christ through you. Why? Because you're in tune. Why? Because you're, you're exhibiting the fruits of the Spirit in your life. Let me ask you this morning. Where is the Holy Spirit applying the gospel to your life right now? Where does he need to declare done in your life? Maybe to your identity? Maybe to your lack of peace. Maybe to your joylessness. Maybe to your legalism. Where have you not listened that you need to be listening to in your life this morning? Problem is, if you haven't planted your roots of faith in the soil of the gospel and what Jesus has done for you, then you don't have the inner monitors to hear him. The fruits of the Spirit is not about achieving something because we can't anyways. It's about knowing somebody. And the people that love Jesus the most are the ones who experience freedom and fruitfulness. Fruitlessness. No. <laughs> Fruitfulness. I knew I'd get there. Just give me enough time. This morning, would you stand with me? I need to, I need to stop. Sunday school teachers are getting... A little less grace with me right now. So the 